Please turn in your New Testaments to Matthew 6, 1 through 6. Next week we're going to be beginning a, a new summer preaching series called The Most Dangerous Prayer in the World. Learning the Lord's Prayer. And each week you'll find out why the Lord's Prayer is the most dangerous prayer in the world. But this morning we're going to look at those passages that lead up to the Lord's Prayer. Kind of the context of, of what's going on as we move into that most dangerous prayer in the whole world. This is uh, Matthew 6, 1 through 6. But let me first say, um, I think... We all know this about ourselves, that, uh, that everybody wants to be noticed. Everybody wants to be noticed. I mean, really kind of behind it all at the, uh, this is the reason at some level that we choose the clothes we wear, that we fix our hair the way we fix our hair, and, and all kinds of other things, and it's certainly The reason we do so many things to get attention, to get noticed. Well, in this passage we're about to read that that sets up the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is saying to us that you don't have to get attention, you don't have to be noticed when it comes to the things of our faith. And here's the reason why. God already sees you. And it says God sees you in secret. Isn't that an intriguing sentence? God sees in secret and he sees you in love. So let's read Matthew 6, 1 through 6, the very words of Jesus Christ. Beware, he says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that you may be giving in secret And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. Also in verse 16, and when you fast, don't, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so that their fasting may be seen by others. But truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus is saying, 
if you do spiritual things in order to get noticed by people, congratulations, you got noticed, and that's all you're going to get. That's all the reward you're going to get. You're going to get a little bit of attention, but you will lose amazingly generous gifts of the Father, and you will lose a sense of the closeness that God wants to give you at that particular moment. Maybe we could remember it this way. You could write this down. Seeking attention means losing the blessing. Seeking attention means losing the blessing. So Jesus talks about this this seeking attention to be seen by other people. You know, the, uh, the Pharisees is who he's talking about, and I'll, I'll read a passage in a moment to, to help you see that. They were, they were teaching people to show off spiritually by the way they were leading the people. You know, they were religious leaders. They, they were the people that were doing the preaching and the praying and, and the leading of the services and, and all of this. Matthew 23 Verse 2, by the way, this is the chapter called the seven woes. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for this. There's seven of those. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. But, but as that chapter opens in Matthew 23, I want to read you a few verses. The teachers, this is Jesus speaking. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, but do not do what they do. For they do not practice what they preach. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries. That's that little, that little square box on the headband, you know, that, that is about the Word of God. They make their phylacteries, uh, he says, w- uh, wide. And the, the tassels on their garments, uh, they make them long. So that they can be seen and admired. They love, Jesus says, the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. By the way, have you ever noticed we don't have king chairs up here for the preachers? Anyway, just saying. One scholar calls the kind of the spiritual practices, the the way of the Pharisees as perverted piety. Jesus simply calls it hypocrisy. Hypocrisy, hypocrite. It's that Greek theater term. It literally comes, you know, the New Testament's written in Greek. It literally comes from the theater. It means to wear a mask. It means to put on an act. It means to act like something that you're really not like. In this passage, Jesus introduces to us, we 21st century believers in Christ, he introduces to us the the three main acts of of Jewish religious practice at that time. These these were kind of the big three that you that you did if you were a follower of Yahweh. They are giving, otherwise known in the Bible as almsgiving, praying, and fasting. Those were the three main acts of Jewish piety. 
giving, uh, almsgiving, praying, and fasting. And uh, Jesus is telling us how to walk with him, how to do these things. Notice, I want you to, to notice before we get into it, the word when. I think it's a very important word at this particular time in our culture. Um, when you give, when you pray, pray like this. When you fast, don't do it this way, do it that way. Um, here's, here's the reason this is important. Jesus, as he talks about walking with him, as, with God, as, as he talks about what that looks like, Jesus is assuming that we will be people that give as a part of our walk with God, as a spiritual discipline, so to speak. Uh, that we will give, be people who pray on purpose. That we will be people who fast. Ouch. And I think that's important for this reason. At, a, at the very time where, where people say today, and they say it all the time online, they, they say it in, in conversation, at a time when people say with a measure of judgment and certainly a measure of self-righteousness, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. Jesus blows that up. Jesus is religious. And Jesus is spiritual. Jesus says, when you give, here's how you do it. When you pray, when you fast. And I want you to know that, you know, you could take this out of context and you could say, see, this is why nothing should be done in front of other people. This is why the church is all hypocrisy and all this stuff. Jesus is not against all outward demonstrations of faith. You just go back one chapter before in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. And Jesus says, so let your light shine before men, listen to this, that they may See your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Certainly Jesus isn't saying everything has to just be done kind of privately, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That's the same chapter that Jesus calls us to be salt and light in front of the world, like all out, living out loud our relationship with Christ. There is certainly, as Jesus said, that zeal for God's house consumed him. Certainly, we are to come and worship God publicly, yes, in front of other people, like we are doing it this morning. Uh, Certainly, we are to praise him out loud. In fact, I wish we were a little louder. I've got to tell you that. When we sing, we're going to have a chance later. Um, and, and and there is an appropriate public prayer. Thank you, Devin. And and it's okay to pray out loud and agree with one another before the Father. In fact, Jesus and, and other places tells us that's actually a good thing and not just kind of silently in your head. So what does Jesus say about the big three spiritual practices of that day? giving prayer and fasting well in giving he says the pharisees blow their horns when they give they want everybody they literally blow their horns now some people think that there was a a a real horn that 
they blew when they gave. Other people think Jesus is kind of being a little bit, uh, playing a little hyperbole, like they are really, really calling attention to themselves, like blowing a trumpet. But what Jesus is saying is, when you give, as a part of your walk with God, don't toot your own horn. We still say that in our culture today. Don't blow your own horn. And um, so that people will notice you. Give quietly. Give quietly. Don't even, it's, so, it's like, it's so quiet, don't even let your know, left hand know what your right hand's doing. Mean, meaning that's just how, it's just a part of, of what you're doing with God. Give quietly, and are you ready for this? Even if you don't give a tax write-off, maybe even, okay? Just give. You'll love it. It'll be something you do with the Father, Jesus says. What does he say about praying? They stand up in the synagogues. They stand up on the street corners and they pray pray loud and long prayers. We'll hear a little bit more about that next week as we move into the Lord's Prayer. Jesus says, don't pray just to be heard by men. pray, Pray to be heard by God. There's this great story of um, when Lyndon Johnson was president. And uh, you talk about somebody who was comfortable in his own skin and large and in charge. Uh, it was Lyndon Johnson. And, uh, you, you know, you kind of didn't contradict Lyndon Johnson. And uh, this is a story about Lyndon Johnson when he was president and uh, Bill Moyers. Bill Moyers uh, at that time was an ordained Southern Baptist pastor and he had become the um the press secretary of lyndon johnson and so they were at a big barbecue at lyndon johnson's texas ranch he used to have to do a lot of things at the ranch so that is this humongous barbecue and uh and lyndon johnson didn't ask bill moyers to pray the blessing he ordered him to bill bill where's bill this is kind of the way Lyndon Johnson talk. Bill, I want you right now. I want you to give the blessing. So, so Bill Moyers said, "Let let us pray." And he started praying. And suddenly, Lyndon Johnson said, "Bill," what, during his prayer, "Bill," and 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 <laughs> Bill Moyers wasn't sure whether whether he's supposed to stop praying or not. And finally, he stopped praying. He said, "Bill, speak up. I can't hear you." And and uh, Bill Moyers said. To the president, and it's recorded, with all due respect, Mr. President, I wasn't praying to you. <laughs> well, that's kind of what Jesus is saying. Let's pray to God. Let's just don't pray for people to hear us. You know, let, let's, let's pray to God. And Jesus says, he says, go to your, your, your closet, your little room. Go to your little room and shut the door behind you, he says. And, and there, your father who, who, be with your father who sees you in secret. The, it's called in the, the um, King James Version, the prayer closet. Uh, the, the houses at that time, you know, the little Jewish houses, they were two-story houses with a flat roof. They were real small, but they were two-story. And uh, there was a little porch off the front of that house. And the second story over the porch was just a little leftover space. And they would, they would wall that in, and that would be a space for people to go in and just pray and, and be alone. They called it the upper room. You ever heard of that? The upper room, uh, the, the place of prayer. In a Jewish home. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't do this before men. Go, go into that little room. Close the door. And I got, I got to say to you personally. 
I love the, the, the closet. I mean, not the literal closet, but I love to be alone with God in a space like that, basically shutting out the world. And there you are with your father and you can pour your heart out to him. You can repent of your sin. You can praise him. You can thank him. And there's something very, very special and very privileged about that, that space. Uh, and, and, and I have to also tell you, it makes me wonder why I'm not there more. And Jesus is saying, hey, don't, don't do it in front of all these people. Go into your little room and your father is there with you. And he sees you in secret and he will reward you. What does he say about fasting? Don't look like you're really suffering when you're fasting. The, uh, some of the translations talk about um, contorting of the face. You know, this, oh, I'm just so hungry. I mean, you know, it's like lose the, you know, I fast till it hurts routine. You know, so you, oh man, he must really, he must really love God. Look, he's just, he's just hurting. He's fasting so hard and, and so long. And, and Jesus is saying, no, fast privately with real hunger, real dependency upon the Father. That's why we fast, so that we can kind of feel some dependency. And your Father who knows you, your Father who sees you, will be there for you. Now, I think we need to get a little background for a moment about this particular culture before we say those foolish ancient people and all their little things they do contorting their faces and, and these tassels and all this stuff, we're not like that. Well, you, you need to understand um, Matthew 6 right here was, was written in a first century Middle Eastern culture that prized social recognition and honor. It was one of those honor-shame cultures. And, and I quote one of the, the scholars. He says, people were constantly vying for better positions within the community and a higher status in which they tried to bring honor to themselves and to their households. Often within this culture, an ostentatious display of wealth or status or honor was competitive. Oh no, we don't know anything about that. We don't know anything about wanting people to notice us and competing with the Joneses. Who are the Joneses? And, and, and you know, where we fall on this, this kind of spectrum of who's who and, and who has and all these things that Jesus says, don't worry about that. And we're just like these folks. Jesus says, no. You don't have to show off to be impressive. You don't have to show off to be, a, to be okay. You don't have to constantly try to get people's attention to be all right. You see, in the kingdom of God, it's just the opposite of the way it is in the, in the thinking of this culture and our culture. Humility is impressive in the kingdom of God. Pride is not. Remember what Jesus said, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And Jesus is saying simply and clearly to us, seeking attention in this way, seeking attention means losing the blessing. Seek attention, lose blessing. So let's look at that second part. What does it mean to lose blessing? 
Verse 2, when you give to the needy, don't, don't sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say, they have received their reward. And then by pr- and prayer and fasting, same thing. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. And when Jesus says, truly, I say to you, you need to put your ears up because he's literally saying something he wants you to focus on. I mean, Jesus means everything he says. You understand that? Every red letter, he means it for real. But when he says, truly I say to you, this is a principle that you really need to grasp to understand all that he's talking about in the passage. They've received their reward, and they're not going to get any more. They've received their reward. They've received a little attention. That's what they wanted. That's what they got. They use they use spiritual things to get attention, and they, they've got it. Congratulations. And that's all you get, a moment of attention. And what you lose, what we lose, is the blessings of God that normally go with these things that just are in a relationship with God. Because they're not about God anymore. They're about, they're about me. And they're, they're about you. Jesus is teaching us that, that this is spiritually shortchanging yourself before a wildly generous father. Let me say that again. This is spiritually shortchanging yourself before the face of, you know, he sees you in secret, before a wildly generous father. Now, we do not seek the Lord as believers because we simply want to gain. It's just a fact. God, our Father is incredibly generous by nature. You spend time with God, He's just generous. You can't outgive Him. It's not that you're trying to get things from God, it's just He can't help it. He can't help but be so loving, He can't help but be so generous. But he never blesses or rewards pride. Never. Matthew, in writing just the Sermon on the Mountain, mountain uh, Matthew 5 through 7, uses the word father. Are you ready for this? 17 times in those three chapters. And, and I want you to know that's not the way Jews talked about God very often. This was new to the ears of Jewish people trying to understand the true nature of God. Jesus keeps calling him the Father. Sometimes he uses the word pater, like what we would say Father. Sometimes he uses the word Abba, what we would say Tender Father, Papa. Oh my, that's what he's calling God 17 times in, in three chapters, 17 times in one sermon, he's calling him father. He is emphasizing the reality of relationship here. This is why we lose something, because God is there for us. God is there with us. God, just by nature, loves his children and wants to bless them. The greatest thing that God can give us is himself, and he does that in his son and out of that relationship so many other things not by our merit but just out of his holy character and his sheer are you ready for the word that john stott used his 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 sheer irrepressible generosity 
Don't you love that? You just can't stop him from being generous. So it's a choice. Attention or blessing. Attention, you've already received all you're going to get, Jesus said. You got your reward. Congratulations. It reminds me of the choice that uh, people used to make on a game show. For those of you that are older, uh, y'all may remember the game show, Let's Make a Deal. It's like the stupidest game show in the whole world. And these people wore these outrageously crazy costumes. Why? So Monty Hall, the host, would notice them and say, Wow, you have the stupidest con- um, costume. Why don't you come up and we'll let's make a deal. And uh, it was embarrassing almost to watch Let's Make a Deal. At least it was for me. And uh, do you remember Monty Hall used to give a choice? He'd say, now look, here's, here it is. I've got, I've got 300 bucks cash. Like back in the 70s, evidently that was a whole lot. I got 500 bucks cash. Or you can take be, what's behind door number two. And you don't know what's behind door number two. And on, on let's make a deal, sometimes you say, I'll take the cash. And they say, well, let's see what you aren't going to get. And they would lift door number two, a new car. You know, a a new flammable pinto or something. I don't know. (laughs) Or sometimes uh, they would say, I'll take the box. And they'll say, okay, I'll just put this $500 back and let's see what you get. And it's like, wah, wah, wah. There's like a goat or something, you know. Uh, (laughs) Well, I want you to know that that's kind of the way it is in this passage with a difference. You can take three dollars worth of attention, three bucks worth of attention out of the fist of Monty Hall if you just want attention. You can have three bucks worth anytime you want. Or you can take what's behind door number two with the Father. And here's the difference is that door number two with all, with the, uh, in this is always with the Father. And it's always superior to anything that Monty Hall could give you. So what's it going to be? Attention? Trying to be noticed or blessing from relationship with the father who loves his children. So finally, let's, let's look at your father who sees in secret knows how to reward you. God sees. I mean, we understand God is all everywhere present. God is all-knowing, therefore God is all-seeing. God, we see, can even see in secret. He's your Father who sees you and loves you. And you don't have to toot your horn and make a big show of it for Him to see you and to love you. You know, it is good to realize the truth of the gospel as we go to this table That God has set before us. You know, God's not going to allow us to eat at this table simply because we were good yesterday. It's because he's generous. And we're going to remember what he did for us. We're going to commune with him. Christ, the risen Christ, will be at work in our hearts. He will be giving to his people while we share in the Lord's table. You, You don't have to be noticed by God. Can I just tell you, he already noticed you. Do you know he noticed you 
And he sent his son to die for you. He noticed you. He noticed that you were helpless. He noticed that you could not save yourself. He noticed you. And he sent his son to die for you. And Jesus did pay it all for you and for me. And now there's nothing that needs to be shown to God. There's nothing that we need to do for him to notice us because Christ has done it all. And now we are his children. And he doesn't just notice his children. He gazes upon them with this love and irrepressible generosity and nearness that just can't be stopped. You know, um, I was reading another book this week about Billy Graham. I hadn't finished it. And, um, but reading this book about Billy Graham, I, I have been impressed this week, uh, as I am always impressed by Billy Graham's humility. For those of you who know anything about, you know, the great evangelist Billy Graham, still alive, he's like 120 years old or something like that, lives in North Carolina on a mountain. Um, he's just the most humble servant of God. And, um, I was reading this book and, and there's this, this, Story about Billy Graham during the a 200, 2005 rather interview. Larry King on Larry King Live asked Mr. Graham what he how he wanted to be remembered. I'm quoting the author with characteristic humility. Billy simply said, "I want to be remembered this way that that I was faithful to the gospel." On another occasion. Billy expressed a similar combination of humility and passion. He said, and this just touched me. He said, I intend to keep on going. I intend to keep on preaching the gospel, writing the gospel, as long as I have any breath. And I hope my last word as I'm dying, I hope my dying word will be Jesus. I tell you that story because there's something intimate there through Jesus. There's something that's real. There's something that's beyond anything we can arrange to get for ourselves. And I tell you that story because when Jesus Christ was dying in his last words, it might as well have been him saying Billy or Sissy or Craig, Lee. Nancy, Molly Street, Elizabeth. Because he went to the cross specifically for us. He noticed you. If we could kind of get that deep into our souls, we we might not have as much need to to just work and drive and and push for for attention. Attention, attention to, to be all right. Because God sees us in love and you don't have to be noticed. And God even sees you in secret. If you know him, if you've put your faith in what Jesus has done, he sees you in secret. And you can just love him for him. And how beautiful that is. And and he he can be your reward. And he can give to you out of his incomparable love and, yes, his irrepressible love generosity so so he loved us let's love him
let's respond with love. I'm talking about this table. I'm talking about out in the open. I'm talking about in front of each other with humility, marveling in grace and gratitude, eating this supper that Jesus gave us out of his grace and generosity for our blessing. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we pray that you would bless now this gift that you, the God of outrageous generosity and thorough, unimaginable love, eternal love that you are giving us. But, Father, we pray that you would help us to to see whether we are focusing on the fact that you have noticed us and have loved us or that we're trying to get you to notice us. If you've never put your trust in Jesus and You've been trying to get God to notice you. You've been trying to be okay with God. Just know that it'll never work. That's why God sent his son. And if you want to put your trust in him, pray with me. Lord, I, I see it. I can't. I, you're holy God. I can't make myself acceptable to you. And so I want to turn from everything that I have called Christianity, everything I've called religion, and I just put my trust, Jesus, in what you have done for me on the cross. Thank you that even now you've forgiven me because of your death for me. Even now you have come into my life. Even now you are leading me. Oh Lord, lead me into a life of gratitude and love and service out of intimacy and relationship. And Lord, when I stray into trying to get you to love me and to get other people to love me, God, help me to turn away from that and repent of that and move deeper yet again into your love. Oh Lord, we pray as we move to this table now, that we would be able to truly remember the cross and truly receive from your hand. In Jesus' name, amen.